I want to start out tonight by turning to a passage in Hebrews chapter 11. I've got so much material to cover, as Josh mentioned. Um, i got to get going. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the, framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. You know, if we had somebody sitting here on the front pew and says, you know, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe in the Word of God, and I go, well, wait a second, right over here it says, well, that's kind of a waste of time. You know, you've got to start at the beginning. You've got to convince them that, that there is a God and that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. We understand that. The lesson I'm going to preach tonight Usually, this is the third lesson of three I teach to people when I get down and when I have an opportunity to study with them and they don't believe in God. For us tonight, it's just going to reinforce things we already believe. Matter of fact, if somebody, if some brother came up to me and said, Chuck, look at this, and I'll go, what is it? It's a piece of wood. It's from Noah's Ark. Well, if it was, I would go, well, that's kind of cool. But, you know, see, I already believe, right? Because of all the other evidences that are out there. Well, we're going to give you some evidences tonight that, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to sit there and cause you to, you know, to now believe in God when you already believe in Him. I think it'll just increase that. But what I do when I sit down and talk with people, before I even open my Bibles, I'm, I'm like four classes in before I even open up the Bible. Why is that? Because first of all, they need to understand the problems with evolution. The first lesson is, just what I just said. There are problems with evolution, and, and, and I just taught that last week because we're going through these series. I'm about to teach this at home um, in Kirkwood in two weeks. I'm going to go through this very lesson that we have right here. But, the week, but when I get back that Sunday, I'm going to also do a lesson before I teach this one on, if God didn't speak, we have a problem. With the first lesson, they're already seeing, yeah, man, there's some serious problems with evolution. Absolutely. So we punch holes in it. It's a great lesson. And then, of course, when we, when we talk about the idea that God needed to speak, and if He didn't speak, we're in trouble. They're like going, well, why would we be in trouble if God didn't speak? I say, well, that's next lesson. And so we have that lesson. And then I say, now, just to reinforce that, once they get to that, they go, wow, yeah, God needed to speak. I understand that. And then we talk about the evidences that the Bible's the Word of God. That's lesson number four. But I throw this lesson at them. Here's what we go ahead and do. We talk about the Chinese language. Now, I have sent this. I have sent this to a number of different preachers. And some preacher friends of mine go, well, that's kind of cool. But they don't get it. And, and I can understand why. Because it took me a while, uh, and, and it had to evolve in my teaching ability, because I've had opportunities to sit down and actually talk to Chinese people uh, who know the Chinese language. I don't read Chinese. Okay, when we go through this, oh, Chuck knows that. No, I don't. Okay. But I've sat down and talked with hundreds and hundreds of people. I was in China twice a month at a time, and taught this lesson over and over, all day long, for a month. And, of course, we taught these other lessons, of course. But, you know, when, when, when I meet people, when I was in Toronto, I would meet somebody, I would always ask them, what do you do for? What did you do for a living in China before you came over here? One of the guys says, Mr. Han said, um, I'm an ancient Chinese character expert. I go, you're just the man I want to talk to. Because... He knows them. And so when we would go through this, I would say, you tell me, is this right or is this wrong? And he'd go through there and he'd go, no, that's right. No, that's right. Every one of them that I showed this to, 
And what's interesting, what's kind of cool about this, is when, when I would show them, I love to show it with more than two people, well, more than one person. Because when you had two of them sitting in the class, they would look at each other and they go, did you know this? I didn't know this. Really? Wow. And their jaws are hitting the table. What am I talking about? Well, some of you already know. But we're going to just take you through this like I would do when I'm teaching this, one step at a time. Obviously, the first slide they're already familiar with. I tell them that the Chinese language is the oldest continuous written language in the world. And they're sitting there going, uh-huh, that's exactly right. You know, they're, they're kind of proud of that. And that's fine. Okay? And so, the first, it was first written over 4,500 years ago. I had one gentleman say, that's wrong. 5,000 years old. I went, even better. So I wasn't going to argue with him. Okay? Older, the better. It's one of the few languages in the languages in the world that you can trace it all the way back to its beginning. That's pretty amazing, as you're going to see as we talk about this tonight. Now, the inventors of the written language drew pictures to express words or ideas. And we go ahead and give some examples in just a few moments. But simple pictures were put together to make more complex thoughts. Like what? Let me give you an example. You have, you know, this character that you have here. When you put them together, it means older brother or mouth man. Okay, so they could they could look at that character that is to your your right up there, that far one, and you can break those down, which are, we are going to be doing with a lot of their characters. And you say, Chuck, what is the purpose of this study? How does it really help us? Be patient, you'll see. Matter of fact, I've seen sometimes early on in the study that they get that glassy-eyed look. But that soon changes as you get going into this because they need to know, why are you talking about this? Well... Well-known history and every and common everyday things were used to make a word so people could remember. So 5,000 years ago, they would use characters that the people at that time would understand what that meant. And, and that makes perfect sense. And we tell them, long before Buddha, the Chinese people worshipped the same God described in the Bible. Now, I'm talking to people now, now who don't believe in that, that don't believe in the God that you read about in the Bible. Almost all of them that I have talked with are either they're atheists or they're Buddhists, but they don't believe in the God that you read about in the Bible. And, and then they're going along, but that's exactly right. But we're saying, you know, way back then, before that, they worshipped the God you read about in the Bible. And they go, oh, really? I go, well, yeah, they did. You say, well, how, where's the proof? Your own language proves this. I'm like, really? Yeah, it proves it. And, and that's what we're going to show. Now, this timeline, I tell them, please remember this timeline. Because you've got today, and you've got when the Chinese language... Remember, even if they wanted it to be 5,000, go back another 500 years. Look how old it is. Well, what's that 1400 B.C.? Well, that's when we have the first five books of the Bible were put, you know, that were written down. So long before that, you know, it's times of Moses, right? When Moses recorded the things that he wrote, you open the book of Genesis, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. I got news for you. Moses wasn't there. <laughs> okay? He wasn't there observing it. Oh, God just created the heavens and the earth. No. No. He was inspired. You know, the, the things that he is writing down really did happen. Now, you have to say to yourself, well, how do I really know that that's true? This is one of the proofs that help solidify that belief. Now, there's a lot of reasons why I believe in God, and I always tell brethren, you need to know why you believe what you believe. In that first lesson of the problems with evolution, I tell them, if you have an evolutionist who believes in evolution but doesn't know why, 
That's just as bad as somebody who believes in God and doesn't know why. Because when you're challenged, you don't have a foot to stand on. And we, brethren, we need to understand why we believe the things that we believe. And I don't care what it is, especially doctrinal matters. When you get to the point and you talk with people and you say, well, you know, why does the church of Christ over there do those things? Well, we just always do that. That's not a good answer. You need to tell them why we do what we do. Give an answer for the hope that's within us. It's on the side of your, you know, the building over there. Okay, I, that was side. I, I got to get going. All right. So many today in China believe this. Now, you see, I'm putting words in their mouth. So when I'm sitting there studying with them, you tell me if I'm wrong. Do you believe that the, this Bible right here is a Western book? They'll go, yes, it is. Absolutely. It, it's full of fables. It's written by Western men. That's what they were taught to believe. They, they can think of it more of an English book. However, we're gonna, we will now examine some stories in the Bible, and then we're going to show you the Chinese characters which demonstrate the same story. Now, before I go any further, here's what I tell them. Because when I was in Toronto, a lot of them came over from China. Okay, all the Chinese people came over from China. But uh, anyway, it's less the ones that were born there. But see, I would tell them, you came over from Shanghai, right? Yeah. So when you have children here, and you share with them stories, are you going to tell them stories about the future or about the past? And they're like, well, we're going to share stories about the past. Yes, that's the point. And so when we look at the history of the Chinese language, we're going to go all the way back. Now, back from where, though? There has to be a beginning point. So we're going to show you that in a moment. So we're going to prove that the answers of the modern Chinese language do the same stories that are in, I said, the first part of the body. What part of the Bible? Well, why the first part of the Bible? Well, because of this. You guys know the story. You can open up your Bibles if you want. I'm going to put it up here in just a few moments. But you can go read about the Tower of Babel. What was the Tower of Babel all about? Well, that's when the people there, or God said, you know, let's go down there and confuse their language. Why? Because they wanted to build a tower all the way to God. We teach this to the children. That, you know, they stayed in one place and there's building this tower all the way to heaven. God didn't want them to do that. He wanted them to, to scatter abroad. And, and so he, he, he changed their languages and they didn't understand each other. So ones that understood this language went this way. Others that could understand each other, they went that way. And we tell people, we say, look, at, there, here's where the Chinese language started. They go, really? Yeah, here's when it started. Now remember, they don't believe this yet. They don't believe, they believe this is a Western book, okay? And so now I, I tell them, now, if this is true, let's, let's see what, what, it, what the Bible is saying here. It took place about 5,000 years ago. The oldest language in the world is about that. The languages were divided and the people were scattered. I said, that's what the Bible teaches. And they go, okay, that's, that's a Bible story, Chuck. Okay. Well, let's talk about this, the scattering of the people. After the languages were changed, the people there scattered as God commanded, and the Bible tells them scattering from Babylon. Now, why is that so important? Well, if the Bible is true, all nations, get this, all nations, including the Chinese, they migrated. What? The Chinese would have migrated and walked from the west, right? All the way over. And we're saying, here's where you guys came from. You guys came, you did this great west walk to China. That's what the Bible teaches. And I tell them, by the way, over 5,000 years ago, you guys had a word for migrate, to move. What was it? Well, migrate, if you start breaking it down, it's a great division and a west walk. Now, this hasn't proved it yet. 
we're going to tell them as we go through this where the proof really comes from. And it, and it, all, and it all comes down to the very last slide. I'm going to show you that, so you've got to be patient tonight. But now, look at this. So, they migrated when? Well, I guess that would have been after the Tower of Babel. Okay, so if the Chinese people migrated over here, and their language is beginning, and they're drawing characters to represent different things, what stories would they use? Things from the future, or things from the past? Well, obviously from the past. And so if we're in Genesis 11, guess guess where we're going? We're going back to the beginning. We're going to go back and see all these stories in between and see if the Chinese people integrated those stories into their language. And so this is where I'm asking them, now you tell me if it's wrong as we go through this. And they say, we're glad to show you. All right. So here's what we do. The Chinese walk from the West uh, after a great division. So we go back to the beginning. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. So what's it say? The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, breathed in the nostrils, the breath of life, and he became a living being. They never knew that in the Bible. We're saying, this is a Bible story. We don't believe in evolution. We already talked about the problems with evolution. And I love teaching that lesson, by the way. We just did it last week. It's, it's just phenomenal that you don't have to be a great scientist to, to re- realize all the difficulties in a simplistic approach to with, with evolution. Anyway, so we say, here's what the Bible teaches. So the Lord God created man from dust from the ground and breathed in this, uh, the breath of life, became a living being. So they had a word 5,000 years ago for create. Now let's put it, let's break it all down. Create has talking, walking, and they got dust, breathe, alive, to talk. They don't have evolution here. In their own language, it's almost 5,000 years ago, they have creating what? That which is talking, that which is walking. You got the dust, you got the breathing in, alive. Where'd that come from? Now, right about now, they're starting to go, whoo, that's, uh, that's rather interesting. So, Basically, what it comes down to is, according to the Bible, the first man was a living dust man, and the Chinese people, look at the word first there, the word first, a live dust man. So I tell them, where did that come from? You know, your, your, your ancestors put this into their language. Now, I will tell you this, Chinese people today, the newer generation, they don't know a lot of this. They're, they're, they're losing that. They're, they're changing it a little bit. Older Chinese people that have been taught this, that have come over from China, they know this in a heartbeat. They'll look at that and they'll go, yeah, that's exactly what it means. And they're kind of amazed by this, but we just keep building on this. We keep building. So, the Garden of Eden. God and man were at peace in the garden. It shows a picture of complete, perfect happiness as God and man lived together as one. You guys know the story in Genesis chapter 1. And so... They had a word for happiness 5,000 years ago. What would that have been? Having a new baby? Coming into some fortune? What would their, what would their word for happiness be 5,000 years ago? You know what they came up with? They came up with God, one man in a garden. In the beginning, God and man had close fellowship. This is what leads to true happiness. They understood back then, true happiness is being united with God. And guys, we never need to forget that. Now, this kind of amazes them. Now, this happened twice. I'll mention it twice so you can notice this. Please look at the character God up there. 
on two occasions. Now, the first occasion caught me off guard and I didn't know what to say. First guy says, uh-uh, that's wrong. Well, I don't know Chinese. I don't read it. And he goes, that's wrong. That's, that's not God. Oh, it's not? What is it? That's clothing. It is? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, can we go on? And he says, sure. So we go along, and later on, you're going to see in a, in, in a few minutes, one of the characters that has clothing, and the guy goes, oh, that's clothing. Yeah, the other one is God. Okay? So he corrected himself, and I appreciated that. Well, the second time it happened, the guy goes, that's not God, that's clothing. Well, now I'm on to him. Okay? Now I know what's going on. And I tell him, I says, do you think that that's, you, you could be thinking about clothing? Oh, yeah. You know? And so, again, their own, they know the language. I don't. But we want them to test it. But look at what we have here, folks. Is What a coincidence. No. Because when the Chinese language was invented, they used that Bible story, let's have a character for happiness. I tell them, what does a garden have to do with this? With man? And it, it starts to make an impression upon them. Now look at the Garden of Eden. You know, if somebody says, well, maybe they just had the Bible back then and they were just copying stories out of it and putting it into their language. Well, first of all, that didn't happen, as we all know, because of the timeline. But I want you to notice this important character, or fact. Now, the garden east of Eden, as Moses talked about, well, Moses mentioned that. And if they'd have put it in there east from where they are, well, that would have put it out here in the ocean. But they understood that it was in the west. So here it is. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he had put man whom he had formed. And so they had a word for west. West. First one person in a garden. Right about now, in the Bible classes, they're looking at each other going, I can't believe this. Because they've been taught that this is a Western book. If anything, it's Eastern. <laughs> but, but that's what they've been taught. It, it's myth. It was made up by Western men. It's, a, it's an English book is what it is. And we're tell them, telling them, look, your people knew about these very things. Now, right about now, they're saying, but how did they know this? I said, that's the last slide. And we're not near there yet. Move on. Another Bible story between Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 11 is the story about the two trees in the garden with sin. God gave man law. Told not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle of a garden. God, God gave man the ability to choose. Now, I do this a lot slower in the class. I say, here's a Bible story. Here's what the Bible teaches about what happened in the garden with those two, with those two trees. And God said, now, this one you can't. This one you can. Okay, it's in the book of Genesis. So there's the story in the middle of the garden. I tell them, there's your Bible story. So, how many special trees? There were two special trees. I said, now, 5,000 years ago, Chinese people came up with a word for forbidden. Now, what did they come up with? They came up with two trees and a command. I said, that doesn't even make any sense. If this isn't true, if the Bible's not true, what is this all about? What's this got to do with anything? And so you've got these two special trees forbidden. Why? Because that's exactly what happened. And they took that story with them from the Tower of Babel 
that was passed on from generation to generation, and when they migrated, they put it into their language. All right. So let's talk about the woman. Satan tempted Eve to eat of the fruit. Adam had the opportunity presented, and he sinned. They gave in to temptation. They sinned. And early on in the Bible study, you want them to understand the consequences of sin. Obviously, that's what it's all about. How that Jesus is the Savior. It was mentioned in the prayer. How wonderful it is that we can go to heaven. We want them to go to heaven. We want everybody to go to heaven. But we want them to understand the truth. That this book here, books, folks, this is reliable. You know, people will accuse Christians of being mindless thinkers. Well, I'll tell you something. In the first lesson on the problems with evolution, we point out that it's the evolutionists that are not thinking properly. It's the Christians who think things through. We look at the evidence. We consider it. Where there's design, there's a designer. It's as simple as that. And, and evolution is, is, is contrary to logic because evolution says simple makes more complex. Really? Have you ever witnessed that? Has man ever made anything better than himself? You take this laptop here, throw it against the wall, let's wait for it to get better. Is it going to? No. But if you take a knife and cut yourself, not too deep, cut yourself, what will happen? You will heal. Man has never made anything greater than himself, only less than himself. He's never done that. So we've never witnessed evolution. You've ne- we've never had. Yeah, but we went to the we went to the moon. Yeah, who made the spaceship? Okay, we understand that man. Nothing. This computer is not smarter than the man who made it. Okay, I'm going on a tangent. But you understood. You understand that there is a problem with evolution, and you want people to understand that if you're going to help them get to heaven, they got to believe without a doubt that this is the inspired word of God. There are other proofs, which is lesson number four: internal, external evidences. This is the inspired word of God, and I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you struggle with that, you set a class up. Because you need to be 100% convinced that this is the inspired Word of God that Timothy was told by Paul. All Scripture is given by inspiration. Because if there is one lie, and that's in lesson number two, by the way, if there's one lie in here, we're in trouble. Because if I committed a crime and Josh is my alibi, you know what they're going to do to Josh? They're going to put him on the stand. And they're going to go back in his history and they're going to try to catch him in one lie. And they catch him in one lie, he's going to, then the lawyer's going to go to the jury and say, look, it, he lied here, how can we trust him about what he said about Chuck? And if you can find a lie in here, you find something, you've just discredited it. It's 100% accurate. And we need to have that confidence. This just builds on it, okay? So we talked about the woman with the forbidden. Uh, I mentioned this in passing. Fellowship is lost. God Man, because of sin. I, I draw that illustration a lot. There's the story in the Bible about the good for food, desirable. They knew that they were naked. So they had a word for desire. Well, what did they use 5,000 years ago? They used two trees and a woman. Why did they do that? Perfect harmony with what you read about in the Scriptures. She looked at it and she desired it. She wanted it, folks. Is it a coincidence? Now, I did have when it was all done. I mean, not everybody I showed this to were blown away. I mean, you have the Chinese people. Some of them will go, ah, coincidence. I'll go, okay, you know, believe what you want. It's kind of like evolution, you know, versus creation. Do you believe what is easier or do you believe what is harder? Logic says we believe what is easier. What do you mean, Chuck? Well, go back to the crime again. I committed a crime. The prosecutor gets up and says, 
Here's a video of Chuck doing it. There's the motive. There's the weapon. There, it's you know, the fingerprints. I mean, you've got everything right there. My lawyer gets up and says to the jury, "Look at him. He didn't do it." And then he sits down. Now, who are the jury going? What are they going to do? Am I guilty? Yes. Well, why didn't they just believe my lawyer? Because that would have been harder. You believe what is easier, not what is harder. And so we are to be logical in our thinking. And so when we go through something like this, I want people to think through it logically and understand the amount of evidence that is there. This is one of my favorites, by the way. This is one of my favorites. Because when we talk about in the garden, you talk about having characters in the Chinese language that gives a complete detailed story of what happened there with the serpent. You got the devil there, right? Well, let's break Satan down. Motion, secret, garden with man. And then you have tempter. What's that? The devil with two trees and two cover. Wow. That's a Bible story, folks. You know, it's just, it's not coincidence. And how did the Chinese, and, and they keep asking me now, how did they know this? I said, be patient. You'll know. I'll tell you. Oh, by the way, here's the slide that deals with the uh, uh, clothing. Remember I told you about God? Remember that character? Well, there's, there's some similarities. See clothing up there? That is so similar. If you go back and look at God, I can see where the guy went, no, that's not God, that's clothing. And then when he thought about it, oh, no, that is clothing, the other one is God. Now, they had a word for naked. Now, I asked them. I says, if you lived 5,000 years ago and you had to come up with a character to represent nakedness, what would you put there? What does fruit have to do with nakedness? But in the Bible, when they ate the fruit, their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked. I'm telling them, I'm saying, look, guys, these are, these are true stories. Either that or the Chinese people are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. And it's really making them think. And what it does is it sets them up for the next class of looking at some additional evidences for proof of inspiration. So man was punished because they sinned. Punishment on the woman and punishment on the man. The woman. Multiply in pain. I continue to ask the ladies there. I said, have you had a child? Yes. Did it hurt? Yes. Hmm, okay. Well, here you go. And so they had a word for pain 5,000 years ago. It was a piece of two trees. Uh, I don't think they had in mind a sliver. I got a sliver in my mouth because I took a piece of the tree. That's not what he's talking about here. You know, they're not thinking about, okay, we need a word for pain. Well, I remember when Jim over there bit the bark and he got... No, that's not what they're thinking. They're taking the story that they had carried when they from the Tower of Babel and they knew about this and they knew the pain because of the two trees and the woman taking the fruit. And of course, with the man, I'm always amazed by this. Sometimes I'll go through a slide rather quickly thinking, okay, that one probably doesn't hold as much weight as some of the other ones. But I'll tell you, I get to this slide and I was going to go over... But I remember some of them going... Wow, that one's amazing. Well, I don't know if it's amazing to you, but this is the one where where man was punished, okay? Because he was going to be kicked out of the garden. Well, they had a, they had a word for sorrow, and it was ancient weeds. Uh, well, that's kind of cool. It kind of related to that, but it blew some of them away on that particular point. Well, who might argue? Okay, it makes the point. Now, the first murder. The first murder. You guys know this story. Genesis chapter 4. Cain killed his older brother Abel. Right? We know that. 
There's this. There it is in the Bible, the whole story. And at the bottom, Cain made an attack on his brother, Abel, and put him to death. So, okay, we made the point. The older brother killed Cain. I'm trying to drive that one home. So they had a word for eldest son. And the Lord said, truly, if Cain is put to death, seven lives will be taken for his. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one might put him to death. And so what they had here is that for the first older brother in the Bible was violent. And the word for elder son and violent are both pronounced shun. I'd ask them this and they'd go, yeah, that's, that's spot on. So they had a word for cruel, for violent. Why was it the eldest son? Why wasn't it the youngest son or older you know, sister or younger sister? Why that? Because the Chinese people that knew that the first cruel person, no offense if Cain came back tonight, but it was Cain, okay? Cain killed his younger brother Abel, and they incorporated that into their language. Okay, well, Chuck, we're getting pretty close to chapter 11. We are, so we are winding down. Now we got the flood. Now this is very important. Because we know because of sin and God caused the flood and He had Noah to build the ark and with his three sons and their wives and there was eight people on the ark. God told them to build it. And so, there's the story that you have and who all went into the ark. story we've learned since we were young. The Chinese people didn't know anything about this. There were eight people on the boat. So they had a large ship character. Break it down, it was a boat, and there was people on the boat. And I said, they put eight people on the boat. I says, of all the numbers in the world, and that wasn't a little boat. It's not a canoe. It's a large ship. And with a large ship, they have eight people on that. And now their jaws are hitting the table. They just they, they can't believe this because, again, they've been told their whole life that this is a Western book. Full of myths and fables. That it's not accurate. And it is. Now let's notice a little bit here. This is really important. This is where you know they were asking me, how do, you, how do we know all of this? I says, your own language proves it. Look at what you have here. Look at the word for total. It's eight united on the earth. That's what they had for total. That's weird, but we know it's not. And look what they had for flood. Total plus water. Who's the total? That was eight. And there was a flood. They knew the story about the flood when they moved, when they migrated from the Tower of Babel. And here we go. How did the ancient people of China know these things? They didn't even have a Bible. Here's the last one. They had this character for to hand down or to continue. And look what it is. Most persons ate people and water. What they're saying is that when Noah and them got out of the ark... The stories that they had, they told them to their children. Their children told them to their children. Their children told them to their children. We get to the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, and then they migrate because of the languages. Part of them go to what's now considered China, and they incorporated all that. They handed it down. So we're telling them, your own people kept an accurate account of the things that happened. And we just wanted people to understand that you know what, I have seen this, I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times I've taught it. I, I, I get excited when I teach it, because it never grows old. 
It's just additional evidence that there. Now, this is not going to be earth-shaking for you. You're going to leave here tonight and say, I believed in God before I even saw that. And that's true. That's good. What it does for you, though, it just gives you some added evidence that is out there that's accurate, that has been proven is the point. We're not making this stuff up. We've got people who don't even believe in God who go through this and say, that is spot on. That, that historian of ancient characters, Mr. Han, he went through every one of those. I says, is this accurate? He says, absolutely. It's true. So how did they know it? You know why they knew it. And you know that this isn't a Western book made up by Western men. And I want you, brethren, and for those who are seeking the truth, is that here is where the truth is found. You know, Jesus prayed that in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. These stories that we have in here, that we teach the children, and we learned when we were younger, it's just not to fill time. These stories make an impression upon us of the power of God and how He dealt with people. God is real, folks, and He spoke. That's Hebrews chapter 1, right? God spoke in times past to the fathers. And we just talked about that. There was the evidence. He spoke directly to man and through the prophets, but He has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. And I want to encourage you to listen to His Son. Listen to what he has to say. And Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You can, you can have that confidence 100%. Faith comes by hearing. And we walk by faith and not by sight. How does a person know when they come up out of the waters of baptism that their sins are gone? How can they really know it? Well, it says, well, God said it, and I did it. So I believe it. My, my confidence is in the Word. That's what it's all about. It's not blind faith. It's not like I don't have a strong foundation. And you can have that strong foundation tonight of knowing 100%. Look, if there was a verse in the Bible that said, stand on a chair, jump down, and land on one foot, and your sins will be gone. If it was in there, I would do it in a heartbeat. didn't ask me to do that. But the point is, you do what it says, you have that confidence. not arrogance. It's trusting in God because God spoke. He spoke and He has that authority. You and I just need to listen to Him. I hope I'm still online. Um, and we need to obey Him. If you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to take a hold of God's Word. Seriously. But the lesson tonight didn't go through how to become a Christian. What it did is just let you know that there's additional evidences out there that God is real, and that God wanted you to know what His will is, which is that second lesson, if God didn't speak, we're in trouble. Seriously, yeah. Because if God didn't speak, how do we know what is right and what is wrong? When a man sits back and says, well, I don't need this. Really? I says, you know, if a 40-year-old comes over here and takes your 5-year-old daughter, is that okay? No, it's not okay. He says, why? He feels it's okay. And you feel, it, you feel it's wrong. Who decides what's right and what's wrong? This is why we have the Word of God. He's the one that sets the standards. And I want you to understand that you need to follow the Word. Danny and I, we worked up at the CNA at, the, at this Bible booth. You know, we have a guy come by. And he sees the Bible booth. You know, we're talking about the Bible. And he goes, there's the problem with the world today. You remember that, Danny? Because, and I told the story. I says, we had a long table there. 
And he said, there's what's wrong. He started walking away and I took my Bible and I threw it and it pounded down there and he turned around and I said, hey buddy, give me something better. So he came back around and he said, I'll tell you what people need to do. They need to love one another more. And I said, why? Because you said so? Then he got mad. See, so you got to get to the heart of the matter. I don't want you to obey Josh. He doesn't want you to obey Josh. You don't want to become a man follower. Matter of fact, you don't even want to become a church follower. There's no such thing as Church of Christ doctrine. There's only the doctrine of Christ, 2 John 9. And we want you to be converted to Christ, not converted to the church. Not converted to the people. We want you to follow Him. And the only way you can do that is listen to what He had to say. But in order for you to listen to what He has to say, you have to believe. You have to believe that He is. And you have to believe what He said is right. Test it, folks. We're not afraid to put it under a microscope. And that's why our faith can increase and get stronger, as it does for me every time I look at something like this. If you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to become one. We'll sit down, we'll open up our Bibles, make sure you understand the steps to become a child of God. You believe in who Jesus is, willing to confess Him and repent, turn and follow Him and be baptized for remission of your sins, you're ready. Count the cost. If you're a child of God that's gone wayward, you need to come back. But brethren, if, you're, if you doubt the inspiration, you set classes up. And you get the more evidence that is out there. And, and, and reinforce that, because that's the foundation that we need. And so if we can be a help to you in any way, will you let it be known as we stand together and sing the song that was announced?